assembly and Florida they all have pastors in, in the so you, you understand uh, aggression towards the church and persecution towards the church is rising and it also gives people with a crazy mindset that uh, it gives them a, more of a initiative it gives them more of a reason to come and attack the church okay um, uh, but remember, as we taught you last night, almost all church attacks are someone who is somehow connected to the church. So remember the Sudanese man that I told you about. Uh, the reason why he attacked that church that he actually attended for a while, then he left. Well, he was coming to retaliate for the uh, South Carolina shooting, the young white supremacist who went in and killed nine African Americans at the historical black church. South Carolina, you are lost. I don't know how to say it right, but South Carolina. So he was coming back to that church to do an act of revenge, so to speak. But notice he had went to that church for a while before. So church attacks are always someone who, not always, but almost always someone who are connected to that church in some way. Maybe through a, a, a ex, uh, an ex-husband or an ex-wife or someone who has a beef with that church, or the pastor, or someone at the church. Right? Um, uh, so that kind of aggression we see has tripled in the last 10 years. And I told you that the statistics have shown us church attacks have tripled, church homicides have doubled in the last 10 years. And so I'm here to teach you how to identify threats ahead of time, and we can prevent it. We can stop it. Amen? Amen. And uh, yeah, it's true. Look, y'all, I learned this real quick in, in pastoring in Texas. Don't try to compete against football. <laughs> now, we, don't, we try not to schedule much at all around football season. In fact, in the next year or two, when my son starts playing on Friday night, I ain't going to be doing MXP during football season. <laughs> I'm going to be at the ball field with my son because right now his games are on Thursday night. So, uh, you know, uh, that's a good thing for me because I can be at his ball game. Anyway, praise the Lord. It's God football and, and then your job and then family and all that happens <laughs> in Texas. Faith, family, friends, football. <laughs> all right, praise God. Well, Pastor Roddy already prayed for us, right? So we're ready to roll and believe the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Amen. Real quickly, let's just take about five or six or seven minutes to review what we learned last night. We have some folks that were at football last night. Amen. <laughs> and so let's just give a quick review. And uh, uh, you, you have the, the training packet there with you. You can study it more. But we, first of all, we started off last night learning, do we have scriptural basis for having security in the church? Is it biblical? Because we want to base everything we do, not on our opinion or our public opinion or whatever. We want to base what we do on the word of God. So we see here throughout the scriptures that we have a right to fight to protect our family and our houses. That would include our family, our spiritual family, and our house of worship. We have a right to protect our fellow man. And uh, we also saw that Jesus said, if you don't have a sword or a weapon, you need to go home and sell something that you have and buy one. Well, he said right there in Luke uh, chapter 22. And uh, remember, I qualified that when you said, I said, if y'all gonna carry a weapon, then you need to train with a weapon. Uh, because we don't need no Barney Fives in the church, right? <laughs> we need someone who, uh, in, in fact,
fact, sometimes we don't want to get around guns or carry guns because we're afraid of them, we're so terrified of them. And that's understandable, totally understandable, okay? But I want to remind you something. Remember when you learned how to drive a car? Remember how scary it was at first? I mean, for some of us guys, it was because we started when we were 11, 12 years old. All right, I mean, but remember for most people how scary it was. I remember my daughter was trembling when I was teaching them how to drive. And then it made it worse because I started screaming at them. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it was funny. But uh, not, not at the moment, it wasn't funny. Anyway, even those big parking lots, you know, remember how, how scary it was? Remember when you got onto the highway the first time? Oh, yeah. Cars were flying by. Merging. <laughs> And even, and even trembling sometimes when you're just learning how to drive a vehicle. And if you think about it, it can be used as a big, powerful weapon. It can be used, right? But now, what's it like driving? Huh? Y'all get up in the morning, huh? You get to the, your office or your, your workplace and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> I don't even remember the drive, right? Or especially on the way home. You get in that car and before you know it, you're in your driveway. <laughs> what happened for the last 20 minutes? Because now it's become second nature. And you know, we can train with our weapons so much, not that we get lackadaisical with it or lazy with it or I mean, we're not careful, but you can train with it so much that you get that muscle memory down and it becomes just a part of your daily lifestyle. And uh, it's not scary anymore. You're very safe with it. Uh, you're very responsible. And you would never use it, ever, ever, ever use it unless it was absolute last resort that you had to go to the weapon, right? So the Lord Jesus said we should have a weapon, and uh, um, and that's important. And that's why I asked our friends from U.S. Law Show to be here. And later I'd like for Miss Brenda to talk to us again about it. Anyone here who carries a weapon, or if you plan to carry a weapon, this is an absolute no-brainer. You must have legal representation to back you up. Because if you ever have to draw your weapon, I'm telling you, I know a guy who, there was a bed, I don't know, what do you call it, Airbnb? The house in front of, across the street from him was rented out for Airbnb. So they were partying and going on all night. So finally, I don't know, maybe 12 or 1 in the morning, he went over there just to ask him to turn the music down. Three guys came out and just beat him to the ground. Mm. Okay? So he got up from the ground and he drew his weapon. Now, another neighbor was videotaping or videoing, anyway, we were videoing with his phone or whatever. And the guy never even pointed the gun at him. He just drew his weapon and said, y'all get back, get back. So those three guys went back and he went into his house. But those three guys called the, call, called the law on him and said, hey, this guy across the street has a gun on him. So the law comes, they confiscate all your weapons, you're charged with brandishing a weapon or whatever, or assault with a deadly weapon, whatever it is. And he had to hire a lawyer, pay $15,000 just to get all that dropped. And thank goodness, the neighbor videotaped it. Videotaped it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but still, he had to hire a lawyer, pay $15,000. And he, who did he hire? He hired a U.S. lawsuit attorney. He hired a U.S. lawsuit attorney. So for 10 bucks a month, that would have been covered. Same thing that happened to a business owner in uh, Texas. And then a lady that was being hijacked, uh, her, she don't carry weapons, but her husband does, and he knows that his wife is mama bear, okay? 
And so he said, you know, I'm going to get this for my wife because if anything goes down, especially with kids involved, he said, I know what my wife is going to do. Sure enough, two men came to hijack her car, and one stood right in front of her car while the other one was trying to get in. Well, what do you think she did? She hit the gas. Mm -hmm. She hit the gas, and that one guy in front of the car got killed. Mm -hmm. The law came. This is in Oklahoma. The law came and uh, uh, saw that it was absolutely self-defense, and uh, I guess she didn't have any trouble criminally. But the guy she killed, or that was killed, uh, his family sued her for millions, mm -hmm. um, or whatever, wrongful death, excessive use of, use of force. I don't know. But her husband had just signed her up with U.S. lawsuit. So those attorneys went to war for her and fought for her. I love that about this company. Anywhere you are in the U.S., if you have an incident that happens, uh, you haven't used lethal force to defend yourself, if it's your weapon or anything else, any other legal weapon, chair, ballpoint, pen, your vehicle, you, you make two things. You call 911. And then you call U.S. lawsuit. And anywhere you are in the U.S., anytime, day or night, they're coming to fight for you. So anyway, uh, I believe in them. Uh, the way I got introduced to them was about 11 years ago, working security for Brother Torkin. And uh, the head of security came to me, came to all of us officers, and said, listen, uh, this is absolutely necessary. You need this. And they said, uh, we believe in it so much that we're going to pay the whole year. So that's how I got introduced to them, and I'm thankful for you. And then also, if you uh, just have any questions, let's say you're traveling to Alabama or to another state, and you have a, just questions, you, there's two numbers. One is when you call the office and ask questions. Okay, another one is when you have an emergency and a lawyer picks up on that. It doesn't matter if it's 3 in the morning, if it's Christmas morning, a lawyer picks up on that, and they come to you. All right, so anyway... Uh, I want to ask Ms. Brennan to talk about it again later, and if anyone's interested in that. The reason why it's so affordable, you, there's other companies that do it for like $30, $40, $50 a month. This one's $10.95. When I started, it was $7.95 years ago. But uh, the reason why it's so affordable is because there are 750,000 of us members across the U.S. So we're the biggest company that does this. Well, not me. I talk about me because I've, I've, I've boasted about them for years. They're the biggest and they're the most funny. And so, anyway, I thank God for them. They really do like to be. This was crazy. You can add your minor, and if your minor has to defend himself at school, you know, if you punch a kid at school now, you're going to get charged. <laughs> you know that? If you're getting bullied and you actually defend yourself, you know how I know that? Because like a, a third grader, a third grader in Texas did that. He turned around and finally punched somebody in the nose. They actually had went to the school, went to the principal, the parents did a couple of times and nothing ever changed. Finally, the kid defended himself. And what do you think? He was charged with assault. But the U.S. law show attorneys came and fought for him. So, if you, if you carry a weapon, then you absolutely, it's a no-brainer. You need to have someone to defend you. Because anything you say can and what? Will. It will. It will be used against you. 
if the if the law enforcement if the DA doesn't use it against you, then definitely someone suing you civilly will use it against you. All right. So then after that, we learned uh, that our motive for working security must be love, the love of God inside of our hearts to protect our fellow man and to defend our fellow church members. That's our motive for working security. And Jesus said, greater love is no man than this, but to lay down his life for his friends. Then we learned about five levels of security awareness, right? And we learned that we must live in what? Yellow. We must live in yellow, right? Yellow means to be constantly aware of your surroundings. Constantly aware of your surroundings. And uh, yellow means you don't get caught by surprise walking to your vehicle. Or you don't get caught by surprise by someone walking up to you in, in, in the grocery store. Now, let me just be honest with you. I'll be a little more transparent with you. About 12 years ago, uh, my wife was in Walmart. And you know, the big long aisles of Walmart. And there was only her and a teenage boy uh, from the neighborhood, uh, you know, by the church. It's a rough neighborhood. Her and a teenage boy kind of back facing the opposite, the product, and their backs are to each other. My wife said she squatted down to pick out some jars of pickles. And when she got up to put it in the buggy, her phone was taken out of her purse. Now, there was no one on that big long aisle but her and that teenage boy. And immediately, she said, hey, you took my phone. He said, no, I didn't. So she ran and called the and you know, they called the police in. The police could not search him because the, par the parents said, then the parents were hard. When I say hard, I'm talking, I'm talking, the parents were street element, all right? Straight up street element. You know, padded up from neck down. And uh, they actually, the parents, especially that boy's mother, just street, they waited in the parking lot for 30 minutes for my wife. Um, my, my, the management there told my wife, just stay here with us. Just stay here with us until they leave. And when they leave, then we'll walk you to your vehicle. So this was 12 years ago. My wife, I hadn't, I hadn't started this training, you know, for several years after that. And uh, so my wife was not, was not, was new to all this. But that's what happened to her. Okay. But about two, three years ago, Right, she's got a lot of training now. She's been, she's been sitting in our seminars for a couple of years. About two, three years ago, it was Mother's Day time. And uh, you know, the, the Mother's Day service that we have at church, you know? So she was at like the Dollar Tree or something like that. And she was buying all these balloons. You know how you get a gift for each mom? Okay, so she was buying all these balloons, but my, but, but my wife has learned to be aware of her surroundings. So she's buying all these balloons, and finally she said, I'm just going to turn around and look behind me. Oh, by the way, say this to your neighbor. Say, watch your six. Watch your six. Watch your six. What does that mean, watch, watch your six? Mm -hmm. Well, if 12 o'clock's in front of you, right, then 6 o'clock is behind you. And that means wherever you're going throughout the day, every once in a while, just turn around and see who's behind you. I mean, not if you're by yourself. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying. Uh, in the store or whatever. 
Turn around and look who's behind you. Just be aware of your surroundings. And uh, we say that in, in, in security all the time. We tell each other, it's hey, watch your feet. Or we also say this is your security. Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. What does that mean? Well, that just means that, you know, look around you. Scan the area around you. Are there, are there suspicious looking people around? Rough characters around? Well, be aware of it, right? I mean, as soon as we pulled up on the property yesterday, I saw two homeless guys walking in. Why? How, how do I know they were homeless? Well, I know they're homeless. Okay? So, uh, the backpacks they're carrying, the towels and stuff, basically kind of like luggage. Why? How do I know that? Identify quickly because that's who's in front of my church all day long, every day, at my church. Okay? So, that's who I feed on Sunday morning. When they come in, I put their baggage in a certain area. Okay? But, I, but be aware of your surroundings. Because it's okay to, to, to identify it and then you're aware of it, but it's not okay for someone to walk up behind you when you're getting, when you're getting out of your vehicle because you weren't paying attention. All right, so here she is with the Dollar Tree. She turns around and sure enough, at the end of this aisle of, of, pro, of, of product, whatever product aisle, there was a man with his body behind the, the aisle, but he's staring at her. He's watching her. And she, my wife said, he wasn't watching me. My wife said he was watching her purse. Now, her purse is one of those purses, you know, it took me like 25 years of marriage to buy that purse. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It has the letters on it. <laughs> it, was, it was that purse. So, <laughs> it's on her buggy there, and he was looking at her purse. And she said, he wasn't staring at me, he was staring at her purse. And she said, immediately I had a ugly gut feeling about this. And I'll, I'll talk to you more about this in a little bit when we talk about profiling. Okay. So she said, but at least I looked at him. She said, and when I looked at him, oh, he went behind the further the, off the aisle. He, he hid behind the aisle. And my wife said, oh man, that's not cool. That's not cool. So she kept doing what she was doing, paying attention, and she said she started to walk around another part of the store and that he came out from the aisle and he was staring at her purse in the buggy and he was walking towards her like this. Now, my, my wife also, I'll talk to you about Poor this a little bit later. It's okay, we'll get jumping ahead, it's all right. But she also noticed that he was not with anyone else. He did not fit that scenario. He wasn't walking around with his children or his wife. He wasn't necessarily even shopping. He was standing around doing nothing. And that's what you want to watch out for. That person who's hanging out in the lobby, or the parking lot, or just hanging out in front of the church doing nothing, I want to stop that person. I want to ask them questions like, hey, what are you doing there? I'm inviting you to church today. And I want to look at their eyes. We'll talk about that. So she noticed that he was not really fitting the scenario. So here he comes now. He's walking directly to her, and he's just staring at her purse. And she said she grabbed the handle, you know, the handlebars or whatever, of that buggy. And she looked him in the eyes and she said, what do you want? And she said, he got so startled, he looked up, looked her in the eyes, and then he just bolted out the door. Mm -hmm. Bolted out the door. She told the workers, the, the store workers about him. They kind of looked out there. That guy was gone quickly, quickly. 
Simon and Barnabas. But notice, several years later, she's paying attention to her surroundings. This is what we have to do. It's not being scared, it's being prepared. This is not being caught, uh, taken advantage of because I'm, I'm aware of my surroundings. And ladies, the reason why it's good for you to turn around and look someone in the eye, watch your six, is because you want to turn around and if you see a, a, a someone standing behind you, then you turn around and look them in the eye. And then you, then you go about your business. But you know what that means when you look someone in the eye? It, that's what it means. It means, I see you. Mm -hmm. I ain't no pigeon. <laughs> well, you ain't fixing to sneak up on me. But now, men, we can be a little bit nicer. We can smile. Ladies, you may not want to smile. I'm glad you know, but you like it. This phone is All right. But you, you understand? You turn around and look surprised. Us men, we can be a little more cordial, but you know, you know But ladies, turn around and look somebody in the eye. In other words, show yourself as strong, mm -hmm. not as a victim. Amen. Because why? Because criminals are not looking for a confrontation. They're looking for a weak, soft, mm -hmm. easy mm -hmm. target. And you turn around and say, oh no, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not that soft target you're looking for. Right? You turn around and look someone in the eye. You're aware of your surroundings. Be bold. Be confident when you're walking around. Huh? If you look like someone who could be taken advantage of, then you might be taken advantage of. But if you look like someone who you don't know, not today, devil, not today. You're going to have to go find someone else in that. All right. So be aware of your surroundings. Live in yellow. All right. Next, we learned about the uh, five levels of security of force. Five levels of force. And of course, it's Officer presence, the number one deterrent to crime and attack. Number two, verbal commands, when you have to tell somebody something. You know, even if it's talking to a child, saying, hey, little Johnny, you're supposed to be in children's church. Get back over there, you know? Then there's physical force, where you literally put your hands on someone. It could be gently, right? At serve guard, you just, uh, you can't come to the front right now. When the pastor's preaching, you turn them around and you walk them towards the back of them. Or it can be much more, you know, uh, hard technique where you're actually fighting and defending. Then, of course, there's less, less legal methods of force. We talked about that. Uh, and, you know, tasers, pepper spray, you know, batons. There's lots of different, less legal methods. And then finally, lethal force. And we found that we do have the right to use lethal force to protect ourselves or a third party from what? From death, to protect ourselves from being killed, from death, or from great bodily harm. So maybe he didn't know if he was going to kill people, but he had a baseball bat and he was breaking arms and legs. Well, if, if that's all you can do is use the lethal force, then you have the right to protect yourself. All right. So, but the first thing we want to focus on here is officer presence. Officer presence. Remember today I told you it would be a lot more interactive, right? So let's let's um, let's get into our formation again. All right, those of you gentlemen who helped me yesterday, go ahead. Let's get back into our formation, and then we have some different guys here who you can help us also. But let me see who's here, and then we'll figure out where to go from there.
We might be able to run at him once he's opened fire, but it's too late. Okay. The white settlement shooting from a security standpoint should have never happened. Now, thank God, Jack Wilson, the church security officer or volunteer, he was 65 feet away, y'all. It was like a David and Goliath shot. I believe the Lord helped him. Okay? Thank God the defender was there. Okay? But I talked to you last night. Statistically, if we get to that point where there's a defender, if, if we let it go all the way to that point where we have to fight, the attacker will be successful. And he was able to kill two precious church members. So thank God the last resort was there, and he did stop the attack as the guy's running down that side aisle. It's just amazing. And he's running away from him, and he's one shot to the head, and he stopped that attack. So thank God the attack was there. But I'm teaching you from a security standpoint, from a prevention standpoint, how we could have stopped this. First of all, remember, and say this to your neighbor, this is our house. <laughs> so you don't just let any fool come up in your house. And if they do, they're going to have to abide by your rules. Not just act however they want to do and do their thing at your church or at your house. No. You can do your thing, you just can't do it here. You've got to go. So this guy walks in with a full-blown fake beard, fake wig, and nobody engages him in the parking lot. Nobody says, hey, sir, how you doing? You know, nobody talks to him in the foyer. They let him come sit all out this on the table. They saw him, and this is what's heartbreaking. They saw him, and this is what Mr. Wilson said later when he was interviewed. He said, oh, yeah, we all had eyes on him. He said, we were watching Everybody knew he was strange. Everybody knew something was not right about him. The lady, the little lady sitting right in front of him, she said at one point, she said she turned around, and when she saw this guy sitting behind her, she said everything inside of her just turned inside of her. And she said, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. And then just seconds later, the shooting took place. But the, Mr. Wilson said, oh, yeah, we, we knew something wasn't right about this guy, the way he looked. She, he said this. He said, I even went up to the camera room, and I had the camera lady turn the camera on him. So they had technology. But we're not using what we have the right thing. So they turned it on him. You know what this did? All it did was it gave us the first recording of a church shooting in history. That's what it did. So he turned, they turned the camera on him, but still they let this guy stay up here all by himself. What do you do with an SNR? Let me show you. Brother, will you join me? You Get him. SNR. Oh, great, man. What's your name? Rob. Rob. Oh, great. 
Stefan and Hamar. Stefan and Hamar. Alright? So we trained together, right? So this is what we need to do. We come to this guy and say, hey, how you doing, sir? How you doing today? Yeah, okay. So we've already determined, we've been talking, this is something I'm not talking about. Hey, what's your name, sir? Oh, okay. Hey, listen, bro. This is, this is Stefan. Stefan is a good guy. Hey, Stefan, would you show this guy this seat? And then Stefan, now wait, hold on. Stefan, Stefan is basically going to be his best friend. Stefan is going to be this guy's, I'm the buddy on this guy. In other words, you ain't sitting anywhere you want all by yourself. Stefan is going to be with you all day. All right? So here's what we're going to do. We'll, we'll go over here to this other section. Well, I, I'll show you what we're sitting on. Uh, uh, this, this, I would have done right here. This section is cool. So we're going to go to the other side. So Stefan said, come on, bro. Come on, come over here. Yeah, but he follows us no more. He follows us. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank you. Why don't you sit here and put it inside? Put it inside. And then you sit right next to him. All right. Now, notice here. <laughs> All right. So notice here. We got a funny G-Mus here. Notice here, right? He's not 30 feet up away from the nearest usher all by himself. We got Stefan right next to him. Also, where do you think Lamar is going to be for the rest of the service? Right here. Right here. All right. Now, Mr. Whatever your name is, you look, tell me. <laughs> These guys are going to respond to you, Mike. When you jump up and start drawing a weapon, you guys are responding. Go. Duck, duck, goose. I don't play. Go. Now, Lamar, bro, I want you to wrap this fool up, man. Don't, don't, yeah. All right. So move again. Move. Go. 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 <laughs> yeah, move. All right. There we go. That's what we're talking about. Everybody stand up together. Stand up together. All right. So not to say you're not drawing a weapon. Let's just say you're acting weird or acting, you know, crazy, starting to say weird stuff, causing disruption in the church and not. Then that's where we simply put one hand on the shoulder and one hand on, on the elbow. Yeah, because let it go. I'll show you why. I'll show you why. Because we can turn it more than one Alright, so put one hand like this, one hand like that. You come and assist, and you turn in and walk him out this way, to the left. Either way, yeah, whatever. Just turn in and walk him out. You're going to take him out of the store. There you go. Take him out of the store. There you go. Help him. And you walk him out. All right, give him a great big round. Get out of here. Out. All right. Hey, you guys come on back up here. We should be able to talk about something. This is how we deal with an SNR. So, you know. Pastor Fedo, do you have the homeless coming to your church? Absolutely. Quite often. And I do have an area where we sit the homeless. And uh, um, you say, well, can that offend people? I don't know. And that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the whole flock. And if someone is homeless and they come in and we're feeding them breakfast, and then we ask them to come in and worship with us, then if I have them seated with an usher, that's the way it's going to go. That's the way it's going to go. Now, I have a, a homeless man right now that's been coming to our church for about a month. And we pick him up from the shelter. And you know what? 
he's at the point now where you know he's gaining our trust, not just our love because we gave our love freely, but I mean he became the worship practice of this awesome. past Thursday night and taught my son some good stuff on the drum. Oh, that's great. That's a blessing, right? Okay, but that trust is more earned. The love is free, but that trust is more earned. So we have a section where we sit homeless people and where we sit ushers right next to them. Alright? Say, have, have the homeless ever jumped up and started singing wild stuff? Yes. And that's why we do it. Okay. How many know, how, how many know uh, Michael, the archangel in the Bible? Michael, the archangel. He came to my church. Yeah, he came to my church. You know how I know? Because he told me he was Michael, the archangel. <laughs> <laughs> and I met I talked to him at the door. He said, he said, you know Michael the Archangel in my church? I said, oh yeah. I mean, the Bible said, he said, that's me. I am me. I said, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've had people jump up and say things, start shouting out things, blurting out things right in the middle of me preaching. And exactly what I'm showing you here, we just turn that person and walk them out and let them cuss and say what they want to say as we escort them out the door. Because you can do your thing, you just can't do it here in our house. Amen. All right. But now let me show you something else here. Where's Mr. SNR? Michael. He's hiding out. Where'd he go? You don't let him alone all by himself. All right. Let me show you something else. If someone comes into a room with murder in his heart or really intent on doing an attack, some kind of physical altercation. Maybe it's not a shooting, but it's just to punch somebody or fight somebody. If somebody comes really intent on doing an attack, if one officer approaches him, they tell us that the, the, the uh, percentage that he'll still act out and do something is still really high, like 80%. That's too high. Somebody, I'm saying somebody's really intent on carrying something out. Okay. But uh, if two officers approach him, so you stand right there. If two officers approach him, that that percentage now drops to around 30-35%. That he's still going to act out and do something. Maybe take a swing at somebody or, or you know, be confrontational. 30-35%. Now, to me, that's still real high. Because, I mean, I love to fight and all that. I really do. But, you know, my intent on working security is to prevent all that. So, the statistics tell us, come this way, guys. The statistics tell us, come face it this way. You stand over there. Yeah, you stand right there. Stefan, bro, come over here. Yeah, come over here. Come over here. But the statistics tell us now. That if three of us officers approach this guy to talk to him, now that percentage dropped down to like 8 or 10%. Like 8% if this guy was doing anything. In other words, when we have three officers walk up to this guy and start talking on him, he starts looking and saying, oh, no, I'm in a world hurt right here. Like, there's just no way out of this for me. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to stand down. I don't want to do this here. So it's better to have that officer presence, that stronger show of force. Even though we're coming up to you with the love of God, right? And we're saying, hey, sir, how are you doing today? 
uh, are you okay with everything all right? We can tell there's something not right about him. We can tell he's upset. We can tell he's maybe mentally unstable. We can tell he's on drugs, whatever it is. But three of us approaching him lets him know, bro, you want to behave yourself. Okay? So, also notice how we approach someone. I don't want to approach him square with my body squared up to me. Okay? But now my whole body is a target. To kick me, punch me, slap me, it's a whole target whole target. So when I approach this guy, I want to come, I'm actually in a defense and I'm in a fighting stance right now. This is, a, this is a fighting stance, right? So when I come to him, I want to blade my body. Some of you Besides that, it didn't cause any disruption or distraction in the service. 
And you understand that that's, you know, everything is not an active shooter situation, right? But Satan is trying to distract and disrupt, disrupt your services. It's just a satanic attack on the church. So, uh, I don't know if you have that video, you can show it now. But so they get this guy out the door, and the pastor tells me he starts manifesting devils. So I don't know, crank up the volume real loud if you can. Crank it up. Until they finally realized it, 
and they confronted him about it, and he confessed. And they restored him. They restored him. So he's an active member of the church. He's a beloved member of the church. He's still involved with helps ministry, but he's not receiving the offering anymore. Right? But they've also made changes to do things right. You need to have three people receiving the offering. When they take it to the safe room, in other words, the next thing is, you got to slide up here. The next thing is, yeah, the, the next thing is, we don't want to do any shuffling or uh, organizing of the cash or the money here in the sanctuary. Some, I've trained a lot of churches, they receive the offering and then the ushers in the back, they start sorting the money, the checks, the cash, the credit cards. They do all of that, they put it in this bucket or a bag and then they take it. No, 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 no. We're not doing any of that here. That's to be done in the office. We want to receive the offering and then immediately, quickly take it to the safe room. Okay? And when we get to the safe room, we want to have a slip of paper, a slip of paper that has the, that you put the date on, and these three people sign it. That we all put this offering away in the safe. In other words, he saw what I did with the money, I saw what he did, he saw what I did, I saw what he did. And we're all vouching for each other. Hey, this offering all got put into the safe, safety. Okay? So I'm there to cover their back, and they're here to cover my back. And we're all covering the church's back. Okay? So this is the right way to do it. All right. Next, what I want to do is, if I can take different routes to the safe room, then do it. Switch it up. Because if someone is casing you, and people have watched and cased uh, how the offering is being received, if someone is watching where to take the offering, then you need to switch up your route if you can, because uh, they're, they're really not going to know for sure where to hide and wait for you with that offering because you keep switching it up. But in my church, I only have one way to the same. So what we have developed is this. This brother right here, he's going to go before us. While the offering is being collected, this brother's job is to go and he's checking all the doors and closets on the way to the safe room. Especially if you're passing any exterior doors, he's checking everything. And let's say that gray door over there is the safe room. So go ahead and check the doors and then post up over there. So he's checking the doors, he's checking your, your route to the safe room, and then when he's checked everything, he's gonna post up there at the safe room, and then with his radio, he's just gonna call it out. Safe room clear, or however you wanna say it, right? Safe room clear, I should say that. Safe room clear. These guys are receiving the offering, they know, okay, the way for us is safe to get to the offering. I mean, to get to the safe room. So they know. And notice, he's waiting there at the door when they pull around the corner, but when they get through the hallway, they see, oh, okay, that brother's there, it's all good. But here's what we're gonna do. Let's put this gentleman in the middle. You be in the middle there. And uh, let's say this is the offering. Stefan, you can take the lead here, all right? So we got two officers that are hands-free. That means they're ready to get down. Huh? Their hands are not cluttered or full of stuff. This gentleman in the middle has the offering. Now, the three of them are going to go to the safe room together. Everybody want to hold that together? Amen? And uh, they see the other brother at the safe room. They know it's clear. And they go on in.
church secretary or somebody meets them there, they help sort it and do all the stuff they do, and they put it in the church. Right? Give them a great big round of applause, please. All right, let's turn on over to page 10. Page 10.
Okay. Actually, let's stick this guy. Let's go to the next guy. All right. Remember our circles of defense? Turn back to what is that? Page uh, page seven. Information. Right. I didn't have any previous information on this guy, but then we have technology, and we have protocol and procedures, and we have prevention. That would be the right? In place. How do we stop uh, this character from coming in? Well, about 12:30 at night, I noticed he was parked across the street from Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and his car was parked, pulled back, his little parking lights were on, and he was just staring at the ministry. And what's funny is that he was like a couple of football fields away when I saw him park, and I was driving a patrol vehicle. But as soon as I saw that car pulling there, oh, man, this nasty gun alien. It was just weird. I knew something was not right about this car that I could see far away. So I called it in and uh, to my dispatcher. He said, you know, leave him alone. You know, it's across the street. It's not our property. We don't have any legal rights against it. Leave him alone. And if he's there for a, a little while, maybe he's just taking a nap or something. Had a rough night. If he's there for a while, then maybe we'll call the police later and have him check on him. I said, all right. So uh, a couple of hours later, three hours went by. And when I'm back on patrol, I see him still parked there. And I had that same nasty gut feeling, and I asked the dispatcher to call the police. The police come, and they talk to this guy across the street, just watching the ministry now all night. The police ask him some questions. The police come to me. Now I'm parked on my side of the street where the ministry is. The, the officer came to me and said, look, this guy, he doesn't seem to be violent or anything. But the police said this, but he's way off. There's something not right about him. And I said, well, sir, do you mind if we're talking to him? Would that be okay? The police officer said, yeah, you can talk to him. So that's why it's all lit up, because the, the police officer has his lights on. All right? The sheriff said So I go up and talk to this guy. Immediately, I see that this guy is living in his car. I can see that it, the car is like being held together by wire and duct tape and stuff. And uh, I see his place are from Virginia. I took pictures of his place. The whole car. These are just the ones that I'm showing you. And um, I can see this guy's not from around here. He must have drove here. And he's living in this vehicle. And then I start to talk with him. And as soon as I start to just stop him and ask him some questions, I realize just like the cop, and this guy's way off. He's talking erratically. He's just weird. There's something strange about him. And he's telling me, oh, yeah, I drove from Virginia. And, uh, you know, I was up there on the highway, and I could either turn north to go see Kenneth Hagin, or I could turn here to see Kenneth Copeland. He said, and I decided to come see Kenneth Copeland. Wow. Thanks a lot. And guess what? The next morning, he didn't know this, because it's not advertised to the public. It's by invitation only. The next morning was the beginning of the minister's so we're going to have thousands of ministers arriving on campus, plus the Bible college students, plus all the like 300 staff. And this guy was waiting to come onto the property. He said, um, the, the website says that I can take a tour of this property. It's open to the public. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go and tour that Bible college. I said, no, sir, that's only open to the students and the faculty. He said, oh, no, I'm going on that Bible, on that Bible college. And after I talked to him, now, I walk up on him, and he looks like Mad Max, first of all. All 
right? He looks like Danny Mac. He's an older guy, but he's got this crazy, you know, like mohawk thing going on, and he's just not right. And so I made a decision at that point. He was there anymore. I said, sir, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to lie to you on this property. He said, what? Why? Who, who gave you the authority? I said, I'm the security officer here, and I'm telling you I'm commissioned to protect this property, and I'm telling you, you're not coming on the property. And uh, I gave him a phone number. He could get information about the final calls. He didn't want that. I gave him another phone number. He could have a counseling session with one of our prayer ministers. He didn't want that. He said, no. He said, at 8 a.m., I'm coming on that property. I said, sir, I'm telling you right now, you're not allowed on the property, so I'm giving him a criminal trespass warning, a CT warning. If you come on the property, sir, we'll have you arrested and removed from the property. So what do you think happened? Early in the morning, those gates open automatically, and this old boy, let's go, let's go to the next slide. Now notice this, I'm using technology. I'm using technology, right? I have it on a monitor, this is like, you know, this is like about maybe three-tenths of a mile away from this office. And uh, I have him on a monitor, I'm watching him with a parking lot, so I'm actively using our technology. Wanted to give you an act example of that, right? And as soon as those gates open, you see how early in the morning it is, mm -hmm. then he comes on the property. Immediately we call the police, because we already gave him a trespass warning. The police come, and they go to talk with him, and the police officer comes back to him and says, oh yeah, we're taking this guy for a psych evaluation right now. But here's what I want to tell you. That police officer is my same height, 5'11". That man is about six foot eight. Wow. He's stooping forward and he's still towering toward that police officer. So yeah, he's an older guy, but I'm telling you, a big, strong man, even an older man, can put the hurt on you. And here's the thing that I want you to realize. You see the parking lot? It's empty, right? And all this went down when nobody was there. But what the devil wanted, and what this man was going to do, is this same situation was going to happen, but with hundreds or maybe even thousands of people right around him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how ugly or what weirdness was going to happen that day, but nothing happened. Because we used technology, we used protocol, procedure. What, what was the protocol? Well, the protocol was we did vehicle control, and that's what we saw here. And then we used prevention. We had a person in place to go and stop this guy and ask questions. And you know, what if I would have asked questions? And what if I would have found this just this sweet, spirit-filled, loving, elderly gentleman who drove halfway across the country? I'd be like, bro, man, awesome, man. That's awesome that you came all the way here. You know, that, what a blessing. You know, okay, you know what? We're going we're to have you come in and we're going to let you. Uh, take a tour, we're going to have some prayer ministry with you, you know, and, and there's some parts of the ministry, you know, that are for authorized personnel only, but it would have been different if I, but I stopped and asked questions and I found out this dude's crazy. You know, this guy looked for me for months. He called my dad in California. My dad, I share my dad's name. He called my dad in California and was asking him all kinds of questions, trying to, you know, get information. And my dad said, sir, I don't even know who you are. You haven't even told me your name. 
Yeah, why are you asking me these questions? And the man told him this. He said, oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm one of the good guys, you know. I'm one of the good guys with the white hat. What does that mean? It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Mm. The police officers that, um, I talked to the police officer, the sheriff, with me. We've arrested a lot of people together, like the other guy in the coastline uh, and other folks. And I talked to the, uh, the sheriff that he was a month later. I said, oh, man, he said, that guy is still calling every day, multiple times, and he's trying to get a hold of our lieutenant. And the guy's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but you see how we can prevent. So you see the man screaming? That was prevented. You saw a man in a white van last night? That was prevented. You see this guy? That was prevented. We didn't wait for these jokers to come in and just do what they want to do and then respond to it. We didn't do that. We have technology, we have protocol, and we have people in place to prevent it from happening. Amen? Amen. See how it works now? You see how we can do this, right? We are well able to do this. Amen. I want to take a break. Before we do, I want to ask Brandon to come up one more time. I wanted to talk to you about this again, give you another chance. It was so late last night. I think we were all ready to go home and get to sleep. But if you have a pen, y'all. Anyway, if anyone would like to talk to her more, she has a table set up and where she can answer questions. And uh, if you're interested in U.S. Law Show for you or for your spouse, or for your minor that you have at home. If your minor had to pick up a weapon and defend the family, you know, if a minor picks up a weapon, you're going to jail. It's a third-degree felony. It's a third-degree felony. But U.S. law will come and fight because your child is simply, or your teenager is simply defending the family. But anyway,
invite all y'all to come out and do that. But U.S. Law Shield is here to protect you when you have to protect yourself or someone else. Um, it doesn't have to be with a gun. We have to cover any and all legal weapons. So as long as you're legal to have it, you pick up a chair and knock somebody to NCR over the head with a chair, so be it. That's your weapon of choice. We all drive 2,000 pound weapons out there. They're all in the parking lot. Um, somebody comes up trying to drag you out of your car, what are you going to do? Hit the gas. Um, we also cover criminal and civil suits. That's the big one. Um, the boxes that checked for me when I first got into shooting, um, I actually jumped in the deep end with shooting and went straight from I bought a gun and done nothing to competition shooting, um, which I probably don't recommend. I came in like really low, <laughs> but I've gotten better. Hey, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
That's all they need to know. Which one of those three you need and where you're at. And then shut up and hang up. Because those lines are recorded. Um, anything you say can and will be used against you. Um, you know, it's a fact that today's world you will be sued. Um, I do have an application to share. If you'd like to become a member, we'll give you the opportunity to do that. Our base plan expands. Base plan covers any legal self-defense in Florida. Um, if you live out of state, you can do any Alabama, New Georgia. Um, but it covers any self-defense, whether it be your car, brass lamp, iron skillet, golf club, your fist, whatever. Um, it's $10.95 a month or one thirty one forty a year. If you do the annual plan, you do get a little bit of a discount. Um, and that gives you 14 months with price of 12. It also brings all of your prices, and that's huge. So your prices never go up. Like the new was what five ninety five because he's been a member for seven ninety five. Yeah. So my wife I met somebody the other day that had eight ninety five plan. So I think it went up a dollar. Now, so um, ten ninety five is not a huge um, increase, but it's you know everything's going up. Um, so if you do have a, add a second member on the same plan, you get about a twenty dollar discount for that. If you sign up annually, you will get the law shelf book today. It's a $30 value. Um, they are available on Amazon, but they're sold out right now. So this is great. This is all the law in Florida. So when you get a concealed carry permit, you check a box saying that you know all of this. And this is the nice thing about it, it's written in English. Everybody here is legal, paralegals, lawyers, any of that. Hey, y'all won't understand the law either. So if you look up the statutes, they're all written in legal ease. Nobody can read it except for, I guess they teach you how to read that when you're in your law school. So it's all written in English, you'll get that. I do have the, anybody that wants to welcome to her, um, their $20 will give them to you here for, for being here. Um, I appreciate you letting us come out. Um, we do have a la carte add-ons that cover gun um, owner identity theft coverage. So if you have a gun lost or stolen, if you have a gun lost or stolen, you report it wrongly, you could be charged with a third-degree felony of negligently storing that firearm. Um, I actually had a friend that had his car stolen, and he had two weapons in it. One was used in the murder of his rescue. Hmm. Dad is a federal judge, so I'm sure he has connections, but it's going to be costly and expensive. Wow. Yeah, so that's huge. Um, the 50 state protection, I have that because I do travel and do tournaments. Uh, that covers you in all 50 states, Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. If you're traveling and you want to know what the gun laws are in other states, you call them up before you leave. Uh, within 10 or 15 minutes, they'll send you an email with a PDF. It's a legally binding document for every state that you're traveling to. And you just print that out. You have it in your vehicle. You know where you can go, what you can do, whether you can have loaded firearms or not, uh, whether you can open carry or not. So all that's Huge. You know what I like about the 50 states is people like me who travel in the country, but some folks don't travel outside the state maybe once a year for vacation. Yep. You can just add it for that one month that you need. Yep. You, 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 you can add it for that one month. In other words, you're not just trying to get the money all year long. Right. It, it's a membership program. So yeah. if you decide you don't want to be a member, just call them up and tell them. They'll give you back everything. You can't send this information to back everything. Cancel after seven days. They're going to keep that one time, 1995. 
um, administration fee to whoever they're paying the dollars to do your card and all the paperwork and do that entry. They'll keep that. Um, but like I said, we have over 720,000 members, and it's the largest in the U.S. We have our involvement in states like Illinois and Puerto Rico. Um, we do have coverage for bail bond and expert witnesses if you do end up going to trial. That, but that's pretty broad to that. Yes. Um, it's not because you see a forensic specialist is not a lawyer. So that's not covered. But for three bucks a month, I'm sorry, but You're I right. carry this because if uh, if I ever need forensic professionals to represent me, it's paid for. What well, most people don't realize is when you have an altercation, say even here, if you took somebody out of the church and had a shootout in the parking lot, whatever, you're going to jail. They're taking your gun. By the way, you're not going to clean it or take care of it if you can pay it in the locker. Um, and then if you can't post bail or bond, you can sit in jail for eight to 12 months. We actually had one guy in Kyle actually was in jail for two years because he had public defenders. Um, before he got to that adjudication mm -hmm. hearing. That adjudication hearing is 12 people just like you trying to decide whether you need to be charged. So you need those expert witnesses to say, this is the law. This is why they were legal to do what they did. This is what the law says. Because those 12 people that they pull as a jury of peers to judge you under reasonable doubt, they don't know the law. They're not lawyers. You need people to tell them what your legal obligations and rights were. And that's what that does. Plus, it gets you out of jail. I don't know about y'all, but it you out of jail. If it comes down to me or mine, you know, I've had that conversation with God. I'm good with it. I can pull that trigger. Mm -hmm. um, I know it. You know, guys, we live in a poor state. There's a lot of things that do not get the media. A lot of things. Um, all the people that are out there, um, a lot of them choose it. A lot of them enjoy being out there. And a lot of them are open arms. <laughs> so, you know, when you're doing the kind of work you want to do, you're going to come in contact with those people. Um, you may not have a choice. You know, whether it's just physical, um, putting hands on them to remove them. But again, if they're looking for a paycheck, there's somebody out there that helped them do it. So um, all of the auto parts you can add to track at any time. I used to only travel during the holidays. My gun tournament season actually ran with the holidays, so I added it in my birthday in October, and then I subtracted it in February when I got around Valentine's Day. That's how I remembered to do it. It kind of messed it all up. Now I travel during the year, so I use it all the time. And then what I do, I travel, I can use in Alabama or Florida or Georgia. So. Um, the minor children does cover bullying. Um, we also cover red flag laws, which if you don't know what red flag laws are, um, basically somebody that doesn't agree with you, maybe an ex, maybe a neighbor, or somebody that you um, cross paths with that doesn't actually agree with you. Maybe your political sticker's in the yard don't match theirs. Who knows? They see your lock sticker on the back of the road or on your car or your, um, see you at the gun range or see you loading your guns in the car to go to the gun range. They call up the police and say, you're crazy and you have guns, go get them. That's red flag law. I actually had a friend that had an ex do red flag laws on him about a week ago and he had all of his guns and they confiscated them. So, um, because, you know, they had domestic violence issues. <laughs> Tried to get him 
with her big B, couldn't get that to go through, and she said, all right, I'll get this. And she knew like guns, and we do um, hand lots of guns, so she called and had mine. Mm -hmm. She was my go to for that. Um, my children have done cover bullying because they were covering such a cute kid. Two dollars a month, y'all, to cover a cute kid who became my adult. Um, if you have one that's near the kids, just like me, you call me. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot range. Does <laughs> um, anybody hunt or fish? We yeah. Have, we have hunter shields. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody hunts here in Florida because our deer like dogs. What? What? They're tiny. Yeah. And they know they're, they're like, they're like, oh, really? yeah. and it's just a dopamine. <laughs> so, but everybody hunts in Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. So if you have the 50 state coverage and a hunter shield, it covers you for all 150 in all 50 states. Um, the other thing is Fish and Wildlife has more power than everybody else except for the um, federal government. Yeah. So they can search and seize without warrants. The cops can't get the job done, they call in Fish and Wildlife because they can't. Um, we had a lady that almost went to federal prison for shooting a shooting at a bald eagle um, here in the court um, because they tried to carry off her chihuahua. Um, she did not use deadly force to protect her. Puppies, but you can't do it. Uh, yeah, so she did not know it was a bald eagle because it 